this is Inspired. I am your host this week, Kimberly Winston. This week we are exploring the spiritual transformation and survival of Damien Eccles. Wrongly convicted of murder, he spent 17 years on death row, most of that time in isolation. In his new book, Eccles shares the rituals he used to invoke and enlist angels to help him survive that ordeal and that he continues to practice today. I reached out to Dr. Nathan Bjorgi, an independent scholar who studies esoteric religious practices, especially those that stem from Aleister Crowley, an early influence on Eccles, a fact used against him in his trial. When Damien was in prison, he began the practice of what he calls magic, magic with a K at the end. Explain to me what that means. How common is that? Is that something that he made up or is that something that is a known practice? Well, it's a specifically a technical term. It refers to Alistair Crowley's specific philosophy or practice of magic. He spelled magic with the K at the end. What that means is that he's identifying himself as part of a British magical tradition in the English Renaissance. Certain types of angel magic were practiced where people would, with a showstone or a scry stone, have visions of angels and commune with them to gain theological or other kinds of information. American practitioners who are working within this particular historical tradition of magic will often spell with a K to link it to these earlier European antecedents because they're using texts and practices that some of which derive from that time. When he says, I'm doing angel magic, what exactly does that mean? One thing that it might not necessarily mean is that he or other practitioners of this type would be traditional monotheistic theists in a recognizably Christian mainstream sense, that the existence of angels as spiritual beings that are encountered in the experience of the magician don't necessarily commit the magician to a specifically Christian context or worldview. Crowley, in particular, very much emphasizes a kind of skeptical procedure that the magician is supposed to uh, practice as a kind of magical scientific method. What he means by that is to practice in experimental skepticism in a kind of practical or pragmatic way, the wisdom or gnosis that they get, the information they're getting from this that gives meaning to their life rather than the meaning of the ritual being that they're in contact with supernatural beings and then isn't it so wonderful that supernatural beings exist and we can have faith in them and then that's the meaning of the ritual. Crowley has the idea that there's a particular high magical practice that when you become adept at communicating with these angels, you can communicate with an angel that's specifically the angel of you. It's called the holy guardian angel. It's an angel that's like your Holy Spirit, and that this would be the deepest kind of personal gnosis or knowledge that you could be deriving from the practice of magic. When Damien was a teenager, it was generally known, it came out in the trial somehow, that he had read something by Aleister Crowley. He had an interest in Wicca. You know, most teenage boys are interested in some sort of wizardry, that kind of thing. And it was used against him, and it fed into that whole, as you called it, the satanic panic. Is there anything satanic about an interest in Aleister Crowley and Wicca? Well, it depends what you mean by Satan. 
Satan is a symbol. It's an archetype. There's a kind of avant-garde poetic and artistic tradition that looks to Satan or Lucifer like you would look to a figure like Zeus as a god of kingship or Athena as a goddess of wisdom in a kind of pagan polytheistic way. You would look to, to Satan as a figure representing human liberation. In that sense, being interested in Satanism as a teenager is subversive because it places you in a position where you're challenging the given social order, Christianity in particular. You're identifying yourself with the figure that is the enemy of Christianity, of the given social norms. And so the particular passage that uh, Damien read in court was specifically a passage in Crowley's book, Magic and Theory and Practice, which was published in the early 30s, in which he's talking about sex magic through a kind of metaphor where it seems that he's talking about sacrificing babies, but what he's really talking about is um, seminal ejaculation where there's not pregnancy, and that you could use that as a kind of magical technique to generate energy, where rather than having an impregnation where you would have a physical child, you would create a magical child instead. Now, what's interesting about that, and very important actually, is that this association of child sacrifice with scapegoating is not innocent at all. It's very much tied to anti-Semitism and specifically what's called the blood libel, which is Christians accused Jews in the Middle Ages of kidnapping and murdering Christian babies. And so in Damien's case, what was occurring is that even though he's not himself Jewish, he was being, in a sense, treated as if he were a Jew the kind of scapegoating function that Damien was being persecuted with, it's a very old form of racism. Is that something that we are seeing reflected now in the QAnon conspiracy theory, the belief that there is this secret cabal of Democrats who operate under the pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. and perform child sacrifice? Yes, definitely yes. And in fact, George Soros, who's a Holocaust survivor and a Jew, is, is the primary conspirator the mindset that sent these three boys to life in prison and, in Damien's case, death row in Arkansas in the 90s, it's still with us, correct? Oh, yes. And that's why it's all the more important that Damien is publishing this book. And I think that the kind of magical paradigm that he is advocating uh, is perhaps a powerful tool of resistance to this kind of fascism. These kinds of magical practices help to liberate the human imagination so that it can become more creative and flexible. Damien is carrying on the cause of, to bring this type of magical philosophy into play as some kind of liberative tool. I was shocked that someone who spent almost two decades in prison because of a dominant Christian paradigm that could not understand him and so put him away, that he did not reject those things. How common is that attitude among those who practice magic and other forms of neo-pagan faith? This is not only very common among magical practitioners, but in a way is the whole point of kind of practicing magic as a synthetic thing, which is that you're trying to learn from everybody else. You're trying to do some yoga, do some Buddhist meditation, see what's going on in Sufism, maybe experiment with some prayer in that context, do Jewish Kabbalah, uh, take a look at medieval Christian mysticism. Damien is 46 years old, so he's squarely in the in Gen X 
how common is Damien's approach for a person of his generation in the sense that he takes a little bit of Catholicism with this angel. He takes a little bit of Judaism with that. It's a little bit of everything. And I wondered how typical is that of a person who is from that generation? I think that type of experience or eclectism is becoming more common. Mm. I'm about roughly the same age as um, Damien. And when I was growing up, all you had to do was go to your local library and there'd be all these um, Llewellyn publications, <laughs> books on witchcraft there that were very easy to get a hold of. Most 16-year-olds had read the Satanic Bible and thought that it was the coolest book in the world. I think that the witchcraft panic kind of shifted and ended in a way in the late 90s. And part of the reason for that was because Wicca went pop with television shows particularly Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a lot of other stuff too. It became culturally mainstream to be a witch in a way that it became a market category. Right. And unfortunately, Damien's arrest occurs before that had culturally occurred. He was still very much in the shadow of the 80s era satanic panic, which was taken very seriously, unfortunately, by uh, a number of people. And these types of popular obsessions, they wax and they wane. Am I hearing you say that we are less in danger of misunderstanding those who practice magic at this point than we were 20 years ago when it happened to Damien? Are there any other groups that we are in danger of treating the way we treated those kinds of quote-unquote spiritual yes. misfits back yes, then? Yes, thank you for asking that. Even though many of these tensions remain in play, the terrain now is totally different. And so having your neighbor arrested to pin some murder on as a way to play out these particular prejudices is maybe not quite exactly how it's going to happen. Today, it would be more that you would put a ski mask on and drive in your pickup and machine gun some protesters, that that would be what you would do instead. I think that right now, one group that is particularly in danger is uh, trans people, particularly trans persons of color. Yeah. And I think also that uh, Muslims in American society are, I think, very threatened just generally. And I hate to be so obvious about this, but Black people generally are majorly being targeted right now. Here we are again with them being the group that's being targeted. Let me ask you one final question. What does the practice of magic have to say to our current COVID divided crisis moment. What Damien offers with the kind of magic that he's, uh, that he's teaching, that he's presenting in his work, is the idea that we can ultimately heal ourselves, that we can remember or re reconstruct ourselves. It's as if what COVID and the quarantine and the other political problems that are occurring right now, we've been dismembered. And so the great work of magic would be to remember remember these these dismembered parts so that we can remember who we're supposed to be as a people we all deserve equal protection under the law and all these all these things that are part of our liberal enlightenment heritage and the challenge is can those values be remembered and perhaps just perhaps a certain type of magic may be helpful for us at this time 
That was Dr. Nathan Bjorgi, a recent alumnus of the Graduate Theological Union at the University of California, Berkeley. Dr. Bjorgi is an expert on Western esoteric religions, including magic, which is practiced by our first guest, Damien Eccles. Eccles was one of the West Memphis Three and spent 17 years on death row for three murders he did not commit. He is the author of Angels and Archangels, A Magician's Guide, which was released this summer by Sounds True. Inspired as a production of Interfaith Voices and was produced by me, Kimberly Winston, Kevin McCarthy, and Umbreen Khan. A special thanks to MC Yogi for our theme music and our founder, Maureen Fiedler. To hear this full episode and explore our archives, visit interfaithradio.org, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and to the podcast. I am Kimberly Winston, sitting in this week for host Umbreen Khan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.